when the name Corp Paint came about. The nature just felt kind of electric jolt. The real ugly side of, of humanity. And their music sounds like it. I always wanted to be a band that was approachable to people, that was just regular ass people. Yo, what's up? So before I start this episode, I want to bring up two really good friends of mine that I've met along the way. They've been the backbone and really the biggest supporters of this podcast since day one. Everything visually you see with this podcast has been done by Wither Designs and Benny Bones Art. And it could be your band next. Check them out on social media. Get yourself something unique and original. And yeah, let's do this. You started playing instruments when you were eight. Um, you know, what were those in specific? Like, was it guitar? Was it, you know, vocal through school? Yeah, um, I started playing drums first um, in third grade. Yeah, I think I was eight. Um, my dad taught me how to play the basics of the drum kit. He bought one. Uh, he's He was a drummer when he was younger. Bought one for the family and taught me drums. And then a couple of years later, I started learning guitar. Um, from my brothers. Uh, I also took lessons for both of these instruments after I learned the basics from my family. But uh, yeah, th those were the first two things. I, I consider myself a drummer first and foremost, and uh, I use guitar as a tool for writing songs. I'm not an amazing guitarist, but uh, yeah, after guitar, I learned bass and um, I guess I've been vocalizing <laughs> kind of the whole time, uh, but I didn't have any uh, training for my voice. So I'm assuming, so if I were to go back, like I'm a guitar player, if I were to go back, I would be a drummer just specifically for the fact of anything in music is based off of the beat, right? And, you know, like, did you have any training through school with that? Because like, that is what builds a band you know what i mean sure yeah i did have some training through school i did uh, what was called band um i was a percussionist i played the snare drum the bass drum the marimba the gong. xylophone sometimes the gong you got it um but that was that was still later for me. Uh, it first just started with na just natural rhythm and my dad encouraging that and learning from my dad and then taking trap kit lessons at the local music shop. And then oh, okay. cool. I wanted to, to join band and they made me uh, wait because I was already trained and everyone else wasn't. So I had to start band a little bit later and in a more advanced sense, because I already had knowledge of my instrument. It was elementary school, you know, like people had never touched an instrument before. But yeah, I did do band for a couple of years through school. So do you think that, um, so say you started on guitar, do you think that your project would be as like, you know, proficient as it is today? Because like I said, like the drums are the backbone of what it is. Um, do you think that by getting an outside drummer, you would have as many like releases as you have like right now? That's an interesting question. Probably not. I, I agree with you that drums are crucial. And I also think that it's, 
um, one of the harder positions to fill. Not mm-hmm. as many people play drums as guitar. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So I think that that it would be a, a decent stick in the spokes of my project being a one-man project if I mm-hmm. didn't play drums myself. I would probably then be either trying to learn them as I go or finding a session drummer to play with or even just having a a band as opposed to a solo project. Uh, it, it probably would be a lot different. So, you know, to me, drummers can make or break a band. Like, for example, like Death Metal. Um, the riffs are sometimes like obituary. They are a very straightforward like slow riff band, but their drummer is freaking nuts. Um, off of that is like, do you try to go for the more complex or you just kind of go with the flow that like fits with the song? Like, what is your, what is your approach to drums? Like, yeah. Uh, definitely more the latter going with the flow. Um, I, my path to metal came through, um, classic rock getting heavier and heavier till I was listening to Black Sabbath, till I was listening to Electric Wizard, till I was listening to Burning Witch. So doom metal was first for me, and then I developed a liking for black metal and some of the faster, more extreme sounds. Um, so I'm more of a slow guy. And right. What I appreciate about slow music that I find lacking in a lot of faster music is, for lack of a better term, soul. And I feel like when I'm playing slow music, there's just more space for me to improvise fills and uh, kind of feel the beat more than this uh, sort of like all-out sprint uh, of complexity and speed that is a lot of faster music. So I, I definitely prefer to to feel the beat uh, more slowly and kind of find these little in-the-pocket places to put a soulful fill uh, and kind of emote through the drum performance. Uh, I mean, fast music's great too, but I, I find it lacking personality sometimes. And, and it's harder to, it's harder to do, at least for me, I'm not a great fast drummer. It's harder for me to do, uh, varying fills, uh, than, you know, just continue on the sort of, you know, fast thing. Yeah. Of, and then your hands go, you know, like I like, I like having more room to break up the rhythm in different ways. And I find that more natural at slower tempos. So, you know, in music, it said that you seek to be honest and vulnerable. Uh, lots of credit to you for that because um, I don't do vocals i don't do lyrics i'm a guitar player so i don't have like a message right um but do you feel that this has been one of the main reasons why some of your art is like unheard or unpublished like i saw a lot of stuff um that basically said that like once in a while you'd be like you know i'm just gonna 
keep it in my pocket. You know, like let's just keep that one to the side. Um, I, I think that was how I felt when I first started the project. Um, my the first album that I made, I released in 2012. I actually had no intent of releasing, and you know, didn't know. You know, Mismore wasn't a thing yet. Didn't know what the identity of of what I was doing was. I just made this really personal, uh, cathartic metal record because I needed to. I had a lot of emotion to get out. Um, but ever since then, I've gotten so much positive feedback from people that seemed to have a certain need for this kind of thing that was helpful to them uh that i i've been releasing i mean pretty much everything that i've made uh i i guess i've made i've created with the intention of releasing uh pretty much everything i've made since that point so yeah the biggest thing that i saw was like you had on the first release, you had a collector like reach out to you and be like, Hey man, I want a physical copy. And you're like, I don't <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like I read that and I just thought it was like, so like, so funny, but at the same time, like awesome that you're like, you know what? I'm going to make you a copy, you know, like, think, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like thinking back to that moment, um, was just think back to that moment. Like, how did you approach that situation? Like, were you like, you know what? Like, how do I even do this? Yes. Uh, it wasn't an immediate, like, oh, I'm going to make this person a CD because they asked for it. It was like, wait, what? This <laughs> this random person from Greece, of all places, found my music and contacted me and needs a physical copy like it took me a while to wrap my head around i i kind of knew a little bit of the the diy ethos in the metal culture from from working with hell uh previously but i was coming out of an intense kind of sequestered religious experience so i was also pretty removed from any sort of scene so you know the this was my first real learning experience of like how hardcore the physical merch element of the DIY metal scene is. Yeah. And it was a pivotal moment for me for sure, because I might not have ever released that album. If not, I mean, in a physical sense, if not for that, I released it digitally before but also because a friend was like, hey, man, like you put so much work into this, you're not even going to put it on the Internet for people to stumble across. Like, you're really just going to sit on this. Like, OK, I'll you know, I'll, I made a band camp. I'll put it on band camp, whatever. So so that was, you know, another example uh, with the CD of like, hey, you're you're not going to like make a thing out of this. I, I really want one. So uh, finding that encouragement uh was yeah definitely pivotal for me and 
even at that moment, I, I made one for that guy and sent it to him in Greece. And I, I think I made 10. I wanted to keep one. I gave one to a couple friends, you know, whatever. It was like, cool, I'll make 10. It wasn't like, oh, great. I'll, looks like people <laughs> love my music. I'll make a couple hundred of these now. It, it was like bit by bit. And then after 10 were gone, I made 10 more. And then I think finally I got to the point where I was like, I'll make 50 and that'll be it. You know, I think there was like 73 or 74 CDs that I made in total, but it wasn't even like there was an addition that I set out to make. At first, it was just literally one at a time for people if they wanted it. Yeah. I Now, I think that's like the coolest thing because a lot of bands, like for me, the first album that I did, I think I printed 100 and like I was so disappointed at the time when I was like, all right, I didn't sell like 15, 20, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I feel like for you, those one or two sales meant a lot more to you not looking at a pile of 100 or 200 on your first release. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even think about it as a release. It was just like, oh, these people want to be a part of my sonic journal that I just made. That's kind of cool. Right. And I just feel like, even even two means a lot because like you're like i didn't even prepare for this right yeah that's true um so you know when we're talking about releasing a record and writing a record being in the studio you know with pushing yourself constantly to make a better sounding record uh what have you learned about yourself the most in this process like for me i'm a very nitpicky person man i'll sit and just i'm a one-man thing band too i just kind of sit and write and hope for the best <laughs> yeah definitely um that's a good question what have i learned about myself i've learned that i have a lot to learn constantly and that there's no like destination or point of arrival that you're just constantly challenging yourself and it I want to say improving, but also just changing, evolving. Um, and I've learned that I always have music to make, even if there's long pauses in between albums or a sense of finality when I make an album, there's going to be more. There's never uh, a finish line, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms yeah, in terms of fidelity or quality and um and just uh artistic uh message, there's there's always another chapter and I want to remain open to that no matter what that means. Um Yeah. I don't so, know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, no, you definitely did. Um, like for me, I don't think that I'll ever be happy. Like I read the one thing that I read about you that it basically said that you want to look at a record 10 years later and you don't want to be like, you know, I wish I did this better. Like, like kind of like your end goal is like, you just want to appreciate it and say that this was a thing and it sounds good. That's yeah, that's right. And I, I, I still live by that goal. I think it's a good goal for two reasons. I think that, uh, 
you should approach art with that kind of standard of like, well, think about how this is going to age. How are you going to feel about it in 10 years? Let's try to make not something that you're not going to cringe at, something that holds up. Uh, right. And I think that that is a good challenge that has made me create better and better art. But I also think that it's a little bit of a an impossibility. Like you're always going to listen to something in 10 years and go... Yeah, I would have done this differently. And you should because you're improving and changing. Like you shouldn't make a a record that, you know, 10 years later, you can't do better than uh, it should be kind of impossible. But it's a good way to push yourself to try to, you know, meet this precedence of of quality, even though uh, the, the goalpost is always moving. So. Even I think the biggest thing for you is like, if you have five people in a band, you could go, you know, that was Bob's riff. You know, I didn't like that. Bob did it. But you, it's all eyes on you. Like you think back and it's like, I did all of that. You know, the reason why I don't like it is because of me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Being, in, being in a band, I feel like you could have shame, but not as much. <laughs> Oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah, the 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 responsibility is is spread out. That's that's for sure. Um, collaborating in a band is is cool, um, but it would just not be Mismore. Uh, it's just like intrinsically needs to be me doing everything. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I've done, I've done, I've been in plenty of bands and that's a, that's just a different experience, uh, for better or Without for worse. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think like uh, the thing that I wanted to ask you was like, so say that you didn't play drums, right. And you had a drummer come in. Do you think like the genuineness of your project would be, you know, not, I don't know, just kind of lost. Yeah, because I, because sorry. it's not as personal. It's yeah. Not as personal. Like your songs are extremely long; they're like thirteen minutes. You know, twenty eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's like a story. It's like a story, man. That's right. Yeah, I I do think it would be different. I don't know if if it would all be compromised. You know, I think there's uh you know people people do it. People that don't play drums but but want to to be in charge of everything else to tell their story. But, but it would be different, and I I think it would it would lose some of the the urgency and sincerity. Um, yeah, you know, like even I have a friend that just started a one man black metal project, and he plays a little bit of drums, but he's definitely a guitar player. Mm-hmm. And um, I I I continue to encourage him to to press into to the drums and to just figure out a way to to learn it and to do it himself because especially for like your first record in this genre some of the lo-fi stuff some of the the flubs they're almost endearing I mean, they can't be too crazy, um, but right. when the totally when the humanity, <laughs> yeah, right, when the humanity peeks through, 
Uh, I mean, I love moments on records where, where that happens, where you're like, oh man, that wasn't, that wasn't totally tight. And then you listen to it over and over again and it, you kind of start to love it. Um, I, I think that that is maybe unique to this subgenre um right or, or, yeah, or that to is, extreme that is true extreme 100%. metal but like yeah it's it's okay if it like sounds kind of ugly i would rather you know the person accomplish doing everything themselves and then refine that than to like outsource all the things that you can't do yourself and make it sound perfect but maybe a little bit more sterile um yeah i don't know right. i mean there, there's good ways to to do it both in both camps but but for me it yeah I, you're right it would be different if i didn't play everything how much different is hard to say so i think that's why i'm starting to like live albums more because like you know a lot of bands nowadays black metal is kind of different it's just different because like you said, they like to, you know, hone in on those mistakes, you know, they, they leave them in there, but live records really show like what the band is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of, um, the bands that skip over the mistakes, you see them live and they're, they're a whole different band, you know? Right. So when I was listening to your live record, like it kind of like blended right in. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. We worked really, really hard on that set and I'm so incredibly proud of it. Um, my closest friends that, uh, make up the live band have given me so much of their time to try to play their instruments somewhat like me uh and 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 help the vision come across in a live sense it was important to me to have a live band as opposed to have me up there doing one of the instruments and vocals with backing tracks i yeah don't feel like that's as interesting to watch um so but i also don't want to have just anyone playing with me just hired hands helping me out um so right they have to know what what was going into the the effort you know i i totally think that having like your best friends a part of it would be a good idea yeah it's worked out so well in so many ways i mean emotionally uh it's been great and sonically it's been great because not only are these some of my best friends but they're people that i've played music with for most of my life so we already kind of just speak the same musical language. Uh, there's there's right. less that I have to explain and more that's just intuitive to them already. And I, I, I couldn't couldn't have a better situation for that. Right. I feel like sometimes musicians like for me, man, it took me I think three or four years to like kind of how do I put it? Like with drummers, it takes a long time to just be in sync with each other. Right. Yeah. And for you, you release a record and you're like, I want to play a show. Like you can't be waiting around for four years to get the, the, the flow going. Mm, Yeah. So, um, all right. So you use music as a necessity 
uh, necessary source of release and mel- melancholy. Um, do you have any other personal hobbies that have the same effect? Like for me, like I read a lot. I do have some personal hobbies, but not not that have the same effect. No, this is um, kind of the one thing that is this therapeutic for me um, and this effective for processing my thoughts and emotions, which lead me to acceptance and growth, um, that reflection uh, I do it through through the music. Um, I do read a lot and uh, not a lot. I, I read and often what I'm reading uh, inspires what I'm what I'm going through or vice versa. I'll seek out reading material based on you know what what I need help processing. Uh, you know it definitely fuels some of the content. Um, you know, I love listening to other music, watching movies, playing video games, uh, and, and all of those are kind of storytelling, uh, that do satisfy some sort of, of, of itch for me. Uh, but ultimately there's nothing quite like being the storyteller to satisfy what I'm trying to get out. So... You've gotten to hear, this is the last one, you've gotten to hear um, how your projects have helped fans battle similar struggles with faith and religion. Um, What's maybe like the most impactful message or, you know, note you've gotten and would you like to share about it? Yeah, there's not a specific one that's coming to mind right now. But I most appreciate the in-person chats that I've been able to have uh, at live shows at the merch table or just at the bar or whatever. Um, I've talked to ex-Christians, ex-Jehovah Witnesses, uh, ex-Mormons, etc., and... I just feel so much solidarity with people that have felt traumatized by their religion and and left. I feel like, especially as we get older and further into adulthood, it's really, really hard to change your mind about something. Right, and totally. something as huge as a worldview... I mean, you can walk up to the edge of that and look over the edge and want to change your mind and still not be able to because it's too scary. I, I think that it's it's just so huge to meet other people that have turned their world on its head and walked away from not only their their religion, which can mean their family and friends and support systems, uh, but even just the ontological level of being willing to change your mind uh, given new evidence, that's what I'm most interested in and most fascinated by. So 
So those folks that have talked to me at shows, it's really impacted me. I've gotten, you know, plenty of emails uh, from from folks as well. And just knowing that there's more people out there that can relate to this and that it's a much bigger issue than even just Christianity. Um, I, I love having those conversations with people and I feel a kinship with them. And I think it's all part of this bigger story that is kind of trying to disarm dogma and uh, magical thinking and accepting things by faith and trying to empower uh, the scientific method and reason and logic and, uh, you know, changing your mind given the evidence as opposed to buckling down in the face of it. Right. And it's just so hard. Like, like for me, I grew up kind of in the same realm of what you're, you were going through. Like you got brought up into Christianity and Catholic and blah, blah, blah. And I used to go to church all the time, but like I'm 22. Right. And like, I see that, like your story was kind of similar to mine where I'm like, you know, I don't really know or believe everything I hear, you know? So it, it's cool that, uh, you know, hearing your story and I get to listen to the music is awesome because we share like the same beliefs. So I just give you gratitude for releasing your music. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's what it's all about. 